0: Welcome to The Itch, a podcast mini-series on penicillin allergy, brought to you by SIDP. My name is Jason Pogue, an infectious diseases pharmacist at the Detroit Medical Center, and I'm here to welcome you to our third and final chapter of our three-part series looking at penicillin allergies. If you are new to our podcast, I would encourage you to go back and listen to part one and part two. Prior to this episode, as those conversations really set the stage for our chat today, which will focus on lessons from the front line. I'm joined once again by our three fantastic panelists. Our first panel member is Dr. Julie Justo, who is an assistant professor at the University of South Carolina College of Pharmacy.
1: Hi, guys.
0: Welcome back, Julie. Our second panelist is Bruce Jones, who's an Infectious Diseases Clinical Pharmacy Specialist at St. Joseph's Candler Health System in Savannah, Georgia. Hello, thank you again for having me. Welcome back. And last but not least, Mary Staiku, an Infectious Diseases Clinical Pharmacy Specialist at Rochester General Hospital in New York. Hi, everyone. Thanks again to our panelists for being here, and thanks one more time to you, our very loyal listener, for tuning in yet again. Today is our last hurrah, and for this last hurrah, what I want to do is I want to look at clinical pearls and lessons learned from our experts here on the front line. Bruce, I'm going to start with you. There's a lot of pharmacists here. All of us are pharmacists. A lot of our audience that's listening to this are undoubtedly pharmacists, so let's address the elephant in the room. We talked a lot in episode two about penicillin skin testing, but surely it isn't free how do we justify the cost when we have to go to our management? How do we justify the cost of this at our institution?
2: Yeah, you know, Jason, I think that's a great question. That's probably the number one question that comes up because obviously these are, are multiple drugs. Drugs cost money. There's time involved, whether it's pharmacy technician, pharmacist, uh, allergist, physician, whoever it may be, there's time involved. So, you know, cost justification of bringing something like this in as a, as a process. So, you know, there are two two different sides. One is inpatient, one is outpatient. And on the inpatient side, generally you're going to see it bundled into the DRG, unless you're a physician performing it as a procedure. So, you know, really what I always encourage is if you're going to do this and you're going to bring this in, you've got to collect data even from the get-go because that's how you're going to show the benefit of this. You know, when we first started out, we collected data over the first six months and we were able to show about a $315 per patient cost savings just on antimicrobial costs. So, you know, it's pretty narrowed down way to look at it. But what you'll find is that you can justify it in a lot of different ways. Drug cost is one of the easiest ways to do it. And then on the outpatient side, it's a little bit easier to justify because you can
0: directly bill for both the product uh, as, as the procedure and the office visit as well. Thanks, Bruce. Any cost justification strategy is surely welcomed by our audience. Mary, do you have anything to add there?
3: Yeah, I think that We have spent a lot of time talking about penicillin skin testing in podcast one and podcast two. But I also want to encourage our listeners out there that are in the initial phases of taking this project on that no matter how limited or abundant your resources are, you can still make a difference in patient care. Uh, with QI projects or initiatives. Um, your initial steps may be as simple as getting your pharmacy students involved in collecting thorough allergy documentation and making sure that the allergy histories are accurately recorded into the EMR. Um, that might also include targeting astrienam prescriptions, as we mentioned in podcast number one, that Asterionam is expensive. It's really not uh, an ideal empiric gram-negative antibiotic agent, given the limited gram-negative susceptibilities. And you may also want to extend those initial conversations with some of the the key stakeholders in trying to target this issue and finding where your first steps may lie. Um, So I just want to encourage you that you can still do a lot, even if your resources are limited. And there are so many areas for improvement
0: Thanks Mary. Julie, I know you have a lot of let's call them feelings on this topic. So is there anything that you want to add for our audience at home?
1: Oh god, I'm like applauding over here like <laughs> at the pulpit. Thank you Mary. I 100% agree with everything that she just said. Um, If you'll allow me, I kinda wanna get on my soapbox for just a a second. Please do. Um, (laughs) I think it's really important to remember that allergy reconciliation is truly the foundation of any good skin testing service. It does the majority of the heavy lifting. Um, We knew that before we started our skin testing program and the data that we've collected since then only reinforces that thought. So I think that's actually really good news for us pharmacists, since we are specially trained in actually taking allergy histories and are some of the best providers in terms of performing allergy reconciliation. I routinely will check the medication administration record for my inpatients and then my outpatient refill history from community pharmacies. You can train other people to do that. I don't care if they're uh, pharmacy residents, students, nurses, physicians. I tell everybody and anybody that will listen to me that it takes an extra 30 seconds and it's worth their time. And many times we've uncovered that the patient has received uh, a recent course of either a penicillin or a cephalosporin that helps avoid any need for further investigation. I think in podcast two, uh, Bruce was talking about intelligent selection of the skin tests and managing the sheer volume as one of the challenges. And this is how we locally have done that. If we take a look at the eight month trial period of skin testing that we've had, that's, we've done it for longer, but that's the data that we've collated. It's interesting. 70% of the skin test consults we received and performed, the skin test itself was deemed unnecessary by the consulting pharmacist and therapeutic recommendations could be made just based on allergy reconciliation and chart review alone. And we've already been doing that for many years, even before we started the skin testing protocol. Um, so again, there's lots of published literature on that. We've published stuff in pharmacotherapy this year. There's, uh, I know Mary and Bruce have documented that as well as have others. So again, I think for me, it's just, I want to get that message out to empower pharmacists that the stuff we do on a regular basis, even if you're not doing skin testing, is already going the
3: majority of the way, in my opinion, for pen allergy. Julie, I wholeheartedly agree. I I would also like to reinforce everything that you just said. Provider and patient education on the risks of the allergy label is is really important. Um, and we've learned that in order to change the culture that we have to keep keep on keeping on, right? We have to uh, push forward with educating our, our house staff and the patients on the risk of the label. I think that when I initially started education, I think providers as well as patients were were really surprised to hear how easy and how quick testing actually is. Yeah, really get a yeah, you can really get a skin test in uh, with results in about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and in the long run, I think clarifying the penicillin allergy label is a win-win situation for the patient, for the provider, for the pharmacist stewardship team, and leads to better outcomes.
0: So Julie and Mary, you have feelings about that. We were correct. I'm glad you guys got to get that out. We appreciated it. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Bruce. Bruce, Bruce, we love you too. We are all friends here, and so I want to give you your moment. We've heard soapboxes. I want to give you your chance to shout it out. So go for it, my friend.
2: Yeah. So I, uh, I had two things: delabeling and patient education. I'm allowed to have two, right, Jason?
0: I guess. All right. Appreciate it. Um, (laughs) So.
2: You know, delabeling was a thing we really struggled with early on. You know, if you look at the uh, one of the original studies that brought this back to market uh, in 2009, about third of the, the patients in that study had their penicillin allergy added back. And think about it, right? No matter how much you educate these patients, when they go out, they, of course, are going to get readmitted. They come in the ED, the triage nurse says, what are you allergic to? And they say... Penicillin, it gets added right back. So, what we uh, tried to do with that to prevent that is we came up with a, a placeholder, and it was something that was a uh, an uncoated allergy that basically said the details of if they were positive, described the details of that they were tested, it was confirmed. But if they were negative, saying hey, they were skin tested on this date, they are no longer allergic. And I, I think that helped us out a lot. But we've still had even issues with that. I, I think what really happens is the nurse says, "Are you allergic to prepen?" The patient looks at them. Confused and uh, and says no, and it gets removed. So we still have issues even with that. But um, I think finding a way to handle delabeling versus some kind of uh, placeholder. And then the other thing is uh, is patient education. You know, you don't want to go through all of this effort to to in the end fail. And it kind of goes back even to to my last statement. So you know, when these patients leave, they need to make sure they're going and they're telling their primary care provider, their pharmacy, you know, even their dentist uh, about this result. Hey, when I was an inpatient, when I was an outpatient. I was skin tested. The test result was negative. You know, you can give me penicillins. I'm not allergic anymore. So making sure they really take this with them. And kind of the way we try to address that is we actually have a a pocket card that will fit in a wallet that patients are are given that gives all that uh, information on it. And they're able to take that. They can take that to these people, even if, uh, you know, they can't remember all of the specific details themselves.
1: Bruce, can I just, this is Julie. Can I just say thank you, thank you, thank you for actually giving us all that advice when we were setting ours up. (laughs) So in South Carolina, before we went live, because of course our skin testing model's newer, we implemented the delabeling placeholder. So we have something that we can input for negative penicillin allergy skin test that has prevented of all the patients that we've had negative skin tests on, um, 84% of them have come back into our health system in either outpatient clinics or inpatient. Not one, not one has been relabeled to date. And we are so freaking excited about that. And then, so of course, we're still monitoring, but I think a lot of that has to go to learning from and taking the advice of of Bruce and, and other colleagues. And then the second thing is we definitely use the pocket card. The patients love it. They really are they they really enjoy it. They feel empowered to have that little pocket card. We have our trainees that um, pharmacy students on rotation, they're calling the outpatient providers, the dentists, the PCP and all that kind of stuff. And it's working really well. So again, huge gratitude uh, coming your way from us because I think you helped us avoid a lot of challenges. So For all of you listening out there, I think that's really good advice. Can I just add two more little things that I just thought of,
0: Jason? Because I like you. Yes.
1: Okay. These are minor details, but um, these are things that I'm often finding myself remembering as pearls to to tell our providers. If you have some provider that's considering skin testing for a patient, um, ask them to check for antihistamines and or beta blockers within the last few days. Ideally, in order for us to perform the test, we would like the patient to not have any antihistamines or beta blockers for the last um, 72 hours. And that's because For the antihistamines, you know, we have a lot of diphenhydramine and other antihistamines floating around in the hospital. And if the patient were to receive an antihistamine, it may result in a lack of an appropriate reaction for the positive histamine control, which is the first step of the test. So I'm getting into some nitty gritty details, but that's something that's, again, a detail that's relevant to consider. Beta blockers also are an issue because they may potentially blunt any hypersensitivity response that you're attempting to monitor for in your patients. So ideally, we try to avoid uh, beta blockers in the days leading up to a skin test.
0: So, Julie, your two minor points were histamine and beta blocker, just so I got that straight? Yes. All right. Thank you. Guys, thank all of you. That was good stuff. That is some serious insight, and I think for sure the folks at home are going to truly appreciate that. hell. Uh, even if they don't, I really appreciated it. So thank you. I really want to drive this home to our audience. And so, again, I want them to understand the importance of allergy reconciliation, of penicillin skin testing, of everything we've been talking about over this podcast series. So guys, what I'm going to ask for you to give me is some feel-good stories. Mary, I'm going to ask you to start it off. Give me a patient example where allergy assessment facilitated optimized antibiotics in that patient.
3: Yeah, a couple cases actually come to mind. I think the most recent one was in this elderly woman. She had numerous antibiotic allergies and was receiving intravenous vancomycin for an enterococcal UTI. Our stewardship team swooped in. We got allergy involved and we skin tested her and she was transitioned to oral amoxicillin the very same day. Um, This also facilitated hospital discharge. So the patient was happy that she was transitioned to APO antibiotic. The attending was happy that he could discharge the patient in a timely fashion. And she in stewardship was happy because we sent her home on an antibiotic regimen that had a lower risk of side effects.
0: Thanks, Mary. Julie, I, I think you had a good one for the folks at home as well, correct?
1: Yeah, I actually had a case recently. It was a 94 year old female who was admitted for um, what ended up being a post-operative left prosthetic hip joint infection with AMS susceptible enterococcus faecalis. And we of course wanted to deescalate her, but, we initially couldn't because she had a penicillin allergy on her chart. We went to go talk to her and reconciled her allergy. She listed that in 1964, so way long time ago, um, she had a reaction to a penicillin shot that she described as hives. And we were able to confirm based on her um, description of that reaction. And so we actually got her consent and performed the skin test. And she was so excited that we would potentially be able to remove this penicillin allergy from her record. Her family was there, her children, um, and we saw them over the course of, you know, a day or two as we were doing the consult. Um, She ended up being penicillin allergy skin test negative. We were able to get her on IV ampicillin that same day. And again, we gave her that card that actually documented that she was no longer considered to be penicillin allergic and just her face when she kind of got that card and her family was so uh, gracious and um, very thankful uh, for the service that was offered. And she actually asked us, she's like, how long has this been available, (laughs) this whole skin (laughs) test? (laughs) And we were like, well, kind of a while but we just started doing it here and so she's like okay well thank you so much (laughs) so that was a, a heartwarming story and and especially for the trainees involved in the the case they really felt like they'd made a difference in her care
0: Julie, thank you for that. That was a great story. And I also have to comment, Julie, that I'm impressed. You've actually brought the podcast series full circle now, right? Because you started off by saying the biggest myth you like to bust is once allergic, always allergic. And then you gave us a case. So I'm proud of you. You drove that home for us. And I I appreciate it. So that's very well done. Bruce, we haven't forgot about you. You got a good patient story for us?
2: Yeah, you know, I think I could tell you, we had one, uh, actually the one I did just yesterday. So, severe community-acquired pneumonia. He comes in, he's in our ICU. Um, He developed an empyema. By the time I get to him, he's on ceftriaxone, uh, levofloxacin, and clindamycin. You know, basically an invitation to the C. diff potluck dinner, right? (laughs) Um, So, you know you know, the thing you got to remember about this test is really, I consider this a rapid diagnostic test because within an hour we're able to rule out his penicillin allergy or we got him down to one drug. So that was a, that was a big win for us. I thought, you know, another great story. I feel like a lot of, a lot of these stories start with, you know, something, you know, you, you can't make this stuff up. We had one that was a labor and delivery patient. And right after she delivered, she had primary syphilis. So they were wanting to send her home but with a penicillin allergy that makes uh, life kind of difficult. So they actually held discharge until I could physically get up there to skin test her. And they're calling me all day long. I get up there and they've got like the uh, the wheelchair to push her out. You know, they're holding the penicillin syringe in their hands. So no pressure there. Right. So but she uh, we tested her. She was negative. They gave her her um, her injection of penicillin and she was out the door.
0: That is just good stuff. And I appreciate that as a clinician. And I'm sure our audience that is listening to us, really sees that as opportunities that we can use this type of methodology to optimize the outcomes for our patients. So thank you guys so much. I'm going to shift gears a little bit as we move toward our last topic. And, you know, back in podcast number two, we talked a lot. You all had great comments about how there are too many patients to skin test. And and I will tell you that as I pay attention to this field, I hear the term graded challenge thrown around a lot. Is this a solution? Mary, can you tell us a little bit about what this entails and any experience you might have with that?
3: Yeah, sure. So I I think penicillin skin testing is a a very helpful, arguably invaluable tool that we have in our back pockets. Um, But I think in some patient cases, it's a relatively conservative approach, um, especially for those patients that report a mild reaction. For example... My mom told me I had a penicillin allergy when I was a child, but I I don't know what happens or for those notorious unknown penicillin allergies. Um, So we have decided to adopt the use of graded challenges into our practice in patients with low histories. So there have been a handful of reports described in the literature for either direct or graded challenges. And it's predominantly in patients that have these low risk histories. They have a childhood rash or an unknown reaction, or essentially a non-life-threatening reaction that occurred a very long time ago. Um, There are some institutions that will directly challenge those patients to a one-time dose of amoxicillin with um, aggressive monitoring. And then there are some other institutions, including our own, that do uh, a more stepwise approach. So uh, for us, and and it varies depending on the comfort level of your your allergy staff or your pharmacy staff. We describe this to patients as a low dose of amoxicillin, a medium dose of amoxicillin, and then the full dose of amoxicillin. And our delusions are one one-hundredth of the dose, one-tenth of the dose, and then followed by the full dose. And so far, results have, have been pretty encouraging and they're right on par with other published reports that show the majority of our patients tolerate the graded challenge um, with only a minority of these patients having some sort of reaction and if you look at really any package insert to any of the antibiotics i would say that you would expect some reaction in at least up to five percent of patients so we're we fall right in line with that and it's it's encouraging data i think that it's going to be investigated a little bit more and it's kind of a way to facilitate an alternative approach particularly in those patients that you may not want to skin test because it may just be unnecessary.
0: Thanks so much for that insight, Mary. And, and that's a good look to what we might see a little bit more in, in the future. And, and with that, I, I'm curious of other things that our panelists think about as future directions for penicillin skin testing or penicillin allergy in general. So, Julie, I'm going to come to you next. What do you see as, as the next direction or a future direction for this type of management?
1: I think, first of all, I'm I'm kind of jealous that Mary's so far along in moving with the the graded challenges. <laughs> I think that's a common theme in this series between Bruce and I being jealous of Mary. But I think it's a compliment and should be taken as such. Thank you. Thank um, you. I think I personally am also seeing opportunities where we can possibly not be so conservative and only do a skin testing and potentially consider graded challenges. So I I echo um, and and encourage and am proud of what she's doing. And I can't wait to see kind of the data you guys hopefully publish with relation to that. For a slightly different angle, one of the things that I'm considering is educating providers on how to evaluate for non immediate penicillin allergies. So these are primarily the type four mediated things like maculopapular rash or some other unknown stuff. Those non-immediate pen allergies potentially could be managed with five-day oral amoxicillin challenge. I've seen a couple of papers on that within, especially in the allergy literature, within the last year or so. Folks are seeming to try to create, again, algorithms for in this case, non-immediate pen allergies, and trying to figure out if the risk is sufficiently low, can we give five days of oral amox to try to rule even those out. Now, this is obviously a different intention than skin tests, which is primarily trying to rule out type 1 mediated hypersensitivity reaction. So as a slightly different angle, that's something that we're looking into as well.
0: Excellent. I'll be I'll be interested to hear more from you of that in the future. So, Bruce, you get the last word. This is this is the last topic of our podcast series. So what else do we need to be, or what else do our audience need to be looking out for in the future?
2: I think there are two things I would mention. One is
0: uh, is outpatient.
2: You know, if you look at it from an ideal stance, really this is an outpatient test. We shouldn't be waiting until these patients are acutely sick and, and somebody's going, hey, we got to skin test them to get them on the right antibiotics. So being able to move this to an outpatient, you know, we've got to figure out, who these patients are, how we're going to get the knowledge to the providers, and where we're going to test them. And we're still going to have to figure out some of the billing issues. But you know, whether it's uh, surgery patients who you're doing it before elective surgeries or, or some of the other instances, I really think outpatient's a good one. And then we move to our LTACs, our long-term acute care facilities. We have two in town. One of them leases space to us here in our facility. So being able to have them, let them have the ability to do it there. And so the hardest thing I think to figure out with them was the logistical side of things. So, you know, they're not going to do as many, uh, especially in a calendar years as we would, you know, cause they're a, a 33 bed unit. However, usually when they have one, it's a big deal to be able to do it. So what we've actually done is we will, um, make it and prepare it. And I actually end up just giving it to them. What I tell them is, you know, once you've tested five patients, you know, buy me a box of, uh, of, of penicillin, buy me a box of this to kind of make up for it. So, you know, I think being creative, thinking outside the box and getting long-term acute cares, nursing homes, or other type of, of units involved.
0: That, that's awesome. And, and thanks guys so much. My friends at home, I'm sad to report that all good things must come to an end. And that's a wrap. That's the end of our series. And so first off, I want to take this opportunity to thank you, our audience, for joining us. I hope you found this as valuable as we did um, i certainly learned a lot i certainly enjoyed this i want to give each of our panelists members first off i want to thank them but also i want to give them a chance to say goodbye to you as well so again we've been very fortunate in this series i mean we legit have three absolute experts on this topic we're very blessed to have these people here and so the first person who i want to thank is dr julie justo Again, reminder, she's coming to us from the University of South Carolina College of Pharmacy in Columbia, South Carolina.
1: Thanks so much. Go get them with those allergy wrecks.
0: Go get them. I like it from that standpoint. Our second panel member, again, we, ta- we called him the Godfather. He's still the Godfather, and we were blessed to have him with us here on this, on this podcast as well. Uh, Dr. Bruce Jones coming to us from the St. Joseph Candler Medical Center or Health System in Savannah, Georgia. Bruce, any final words? Um,
2: I just I'd like to say thank you to uh, to SIDP and ALK for you know both hosting this and and making it happen. Um, you know thank you to all co-panelists as well as you, Jason. Uh, enjoyed this so thanks for having us.
0: It it has been fun, my friend. And then last and 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 not least, uh, Mary Styku coming to us from Rochester General Hospital in New York. Mary, any final words for our friends at home?
3: Thank you guys for having me. It was an absolute honor to be part of this. And I had so much fun working on this and getting to know all of you.
0: And and I'll echo that. And this is Jason Pogue from the Detroit Medical Center. I want to thank you all for joining us. I really do thank our panel members for for coming together, putting this podcast series on. There's so much good information in here as well. I agree with what Bruce said. I want to take the opportunity to thank both ALK and SIDP for putting this on. I'm going to plug here at SID Farm on Twitter. Again, please follow us as we move forward in this penicillin allergy world. We will certainly be sharing more materials in that situation. And one last thing I want to stress, do not forget all of the resources that we talked about in podcast two. Hopefully, we've inspired you to move forward in penicillin skin testing or at least allergy reconciliation in your patients. And remember, there are resources out there for you, the ALK website. That Quad AI website, the upcoming publication in AJHP, the American Journal of Health System Pharmacists, and then ultimately that CE-based hands-on program. So there are resources out there to help you as you move forward. I'm sure our panelists are always welcome to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to them. They're here, you can see their passion on this, this topic and it's, it's really their professional goals is, is to help people do this. And so please don't hesitate to reach out to them. They're there to help you. And until next time, signing off from SIDP, take care. This podcast series is supported by an unrestricted medical educational grant from ALK, the makers of PrePen.